conductor It's your boy Rodney Perry King himself, and you just tuned in for the, to the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans simply being humans and having the tongue twisted today. But today is a special one, a very, very special one. I have yet again another special guest joining me all the way from sunny California. I have here with me Angelica Marie Echessimwa, the self-care specialist. Uh, I knew I was going to get it, you know. Uh, I knew I was going to get it eventually. <laughs> you know, repetition is the father of learning or the mother of learning, if you like. So, uh, join me, join me in uh, welcoming this lovely person to the platform. How are you feeling, Angelica? Good. I'm feeling blessed. Um, just happy to be having this conversation. Yes, I appreciate you coming on and shout out to yet again. I believe it was Podmesh that, you know, brought us into each other's awareness. Um, Podmesh has been giving me some hitters, man. He's been giving me some great uh, interviews. I Look, I appreciate the platform. I got to really write y'all a letter or something. I really do. Um, connecting me some really dope people. But no, let's us get right into who you are. Um, where'd you, where'd you, where'd you grow up? Where'd you from? Yeah, so born in Miami, Florida, raised in Little Haiti. Um, then I moved to Rochester, New York when I was 10, and then moved out to L.A. for college, went to USC, right mm-hmm. on, um, and I've been here ever since. Mm. So do you do you ride for Wegmans as hard as most people I know from Rochester? Um, Wegmans is delightful. You know? <laughs> it's, it's delightful. Like, there's, like, mood lighting in there. Mm. Like, yeah, you know, it's nice. I I have a I have a really, really close friend that's from Rochester, New York. And um when we were in college, uh she used to just rave about Wegmans forever. And I used to be like, Okay, well I mean, bring me something back. Show me prove to me this is this this great, you know, grocery store is what it is. She proved it to me with some very simple shit. It was um some dehydrated um strawberries that were so damn good. I was like, this shit is like a, this like, it's like better than fruit snacks. It's like the real fruit snack. I don't know what to say. She used to bring me a pound of it back from back to school. And I used to be so, so, so appreciative, but no, um, continuing on all about you. That's an interesting, you know, start of life. And what made you choose to go to LA to, um, to go to school? Yeah. I always wanted to be a creative and a creator and tell stories to connect stories were my constant growing up because I moved around and I bounced around so much. I went to six different um, Catholic schools before college. Um, So I went to their business and cinematic arts joint program. It's about 40 kids that go each year. Um, And I just got to work at companies that I never, you know, even fathomed that I'd have the ability to work at and make films with, you know, other talented kids at USC and just really experience and create there. Hmm. I love that. I love that. I mean, I see how I see how that can just be an easy, um, easy transition. What has um, your experience in L.A. really taught you about how did that lead you to the work? Because I'm, I'm assuming after school and all these different spaces, what was it about, you know, going to that school to lead you to what you kind of do now, what you specialize in doing now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, going through the program and interning at the places I was at and eventually, you know, right out of um, school, which was 2019, I was, you know, assisting on um, TV shows. But through this whole time, even though I thought that this was the path that I wanted to go down, there was such a disconnect for me in terms of um, being able to feel like I could be authentic and fully express myself mm. um, and my 
practice and what I knew I was capable of. Um, and, you know, late 2019, around Thanksgiving, I discovered a benign breast tumor, mm. um, a tumor and a fibrodenoma. I didn't know it was benign at the time. So, you know, just really working through that. And it made me realize that, you know, I wasn't really focused on myself, yeah. you know, to not even realize this was happening inside my body. I was just focusing on success and achieving. Um, so when the pandemic hit in March um, and our show went on pause, it made me realize that, you know, I wanted to be in a space and help contribute to just the global healing, especially in our community um, and provide a space for body, mind and spiritual wellness, not only in providing products, but actually, you know, educating and fostering community around that, um, because that is truly how we get well is through each other. Mm, that's hell of a bar. We get well through each other. So, in terms of like, I guess, how do you believe, because I believe self-care is such a, it should be a subjective thing um, in terms of what it looks like for everyone. But how do you believe most people perceive self-care since you've made it, started to make it your focus from that point? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question. You know, I think, you know, the self-care movement has been so popularized mm -hmm. and, you know, commercialized right now because I think it's more focused on and presented as pampering. Yes. You know, boxes, candles, food, travel, luxury. All those things are, you know, they're good. They have their place in our life, but they are temporary moments of, you know, superficial satisfaction. Mm -hmm. They don't truly rejuvenate us. They don't truly align us in a body, mind, and spiritual way. And that's what, you know, to me, true self-care is and what I developed a specialty in through, you know, really recognizing and learning that these superficial things that I gave myself to try and assuage my, you know, my feelings of depression mm. and anxiety burnout um learning to build that foundation of care and make self-care a daily practice that flows out of every single action you take that is self-care damn you know because pampering and also i don't know if there's a difference between pampering and just general hygiene because I, I also see that happening too mm -hmm. Um, where it's just like, yeah, you know, I mask and I exfoliate and you know, self care, and I'm just like, damn, like you know, that's just good health, you know, good like you know, skin skin health too, you know, and I, I think that um, but I believe that's the reason for that, the reason why that's even a phenomenon on why that's the perception of what self care can be for you, is we really don't give ourselves enough um, I don't know moments to treat ourselves to anything a lot of kind and a lot of times like I, I remember um when I got into thinking of myself and becoming more aware of what I didn't do for myself, um, I realized how terrible of sleep I was getting. And that really, really affected me because it almost kind of made me feel like, well, how long has it been this way? Like, have I not been sleeping this well the whole time? And just because the world slowed down, now I can notice my body. Now I can mm -hmm. notice like, oh, I didn't go to sleep any last night or I was up the whole time and I remember everything. I don't remember dreams anymore. Just all these various mm -hmm. things. And it made me very obsessive over figuring out how to sleep better. And like through most of the pandemic, at least the, at least the first year, um, I genuinely felt like, damn, I got to figure this out. And I tried it all. I had tea and like store-bought tea. I had some curated like tea from like a herbalist friend of mine. I had people tell me about, you know, having sleep journals and creating routines and all these various things. And I kind of realized how so much of it was truly um, had to be kind of designed to me and like what made me feel good. And I had to figure out so much about myself and, um, and I learned so much and I've been able to help a lot of other people sleep <laughs> because of all the things I had to try for myself. Um, because I I was very vocal about this with my friends, and they were just like, "Hey, how what what do you what do you do?" I was like, "You can buy a sleep mask. Maybe it's the lighting. Maybe you need to sleep in a different direction. Maybe you need to change your room." And that worked. All those things worked for them. And the only cure that I needed was really just leaving my my corporate job. Because the day I did, I slept the best 
I ever did. Mm. And and um and my mm. friend who made that tea for me, which I think the tea was great, and the tea helped me a lot. Um, at least be able to start going to sleep because I think that was the issue at first. It was just insomnia at first, and then um just staying asleep. I just was very restless, but at least I was finally progressively getting better. At least overcoming sleep, like just the um, insomnia, but also um. But also just kind of coming up with a routine to just induce sleep in a way like mind dumping with journaling and reading and then doing a meditation. She had me do all these things. She was like it was a very long winded um, sleep routine or night routine. And I didn't understand it until she I finally like actually was like, why? Like, why? Like, it just feels like it takes me a long time to do it. I feel like it takes me like I got to start this two hours before I go to bed to get all these things done. And she was like, yeah, because. Hopefully your body just starts to just be like, yeah, it's time to sleep. So as soon as you turn on these alpha tones, as soon as you pick up a, a pen to start journaling, one of those things will make you fall asleep, if, if anything. <laughs> and I think that type of, I guess, um, exploration into the solution, into yourself, really aided me in, I don't know, caring more about all parts of me. And I think I already was moving towards that mindset, but I think the pandemic made me really, really mindful of what I didn't do enough of for myself and um, and changed my mindset around routine. That's why I'm glad you say, you know, self-care is something that you do on a daily basis and not just a scheduled situation where, you know, I'm going to the spa every month. I'm going to get my nails done every week. I'm going to do this all the time. Um, but it can be so many different things. I think people take as minor things. I think that's the part that makes it into a um a, a thing that's less glamorous because it's like okay all right i meditate every day what's so cool about that or i do i stretch every day what's so interesting about that how is that quote unquote self-care but i think uh once you, you know in chiropractics and then and your, and your therapist is telling you when do you ever just be with yourself then you realize how vital those things are but that's that old chestnut but I do I do have a question like because I think that self-care and self-love kind of usually lumped in with each other and um, spoken to in various ways. What would you say is the the difference or if there is a difference in those two um, very trendy buzzwords these days? <laughs> yeah. And again, I think in the superficial sense, a lot of the times they're connected through um, outward displays of affection. Like I love myself because I present myself in a certain way. Mm -hmm. I love myself because I do certain things. But when you really think about what love is, which is care, respect, compassion, commitment. Oof you have to really think about, hey, am I committed to becoming a better person? Mm. Am I compassionate with, you know, my flaws and setbacks, but I respect myself enough to push myself to overcome them? Those aren't glamorous things. Those are very hard things to do. Yeah. Self-care is hard. Self-love is hard. You're going to have to face yourself and the pain that you've gone through. And just to comment on, you know, your your whole journey with sleep, it really encapsulates what, you know, the self-care success system is. First of all, you were doing something that was in direct contravention to your identity, mm. to your spirit. Mm. You weren't supposed to be there. So, of course, if, if you're forcing your body and your being during its waking hours to to lend itself to something that is not for you of course in the nighttime your body's going to be angry and going to be like i'm not going to go to sleep and give you more energy to do this absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> not yes yeah, yeah um so that's why again you know in the beginnings of omekwa i just focused on doing product but when i went through my own issues and and my um depression um and figuring out that you know i have bipolar 2 that was like just triggered by just the natural stressors of running a business it made me realize in its broadest sense you know my products 
won't mean anything or do anything for people if they aren't consistent in using them. And what's keeping people from being consistent and respectful towards themselves is because they aren't aligned with and happy with what they're doing in their lives. They're not rooted in their purpose because, you know, in the overall like self-care success system, what we're really doing is building a foundation of care for yourself physically, which is those habits and use of herbal support mentally, which is rewriting what harmful stories that you're telling yourself that are limiting to you, that are holding you back, that are um, forcing you, compelling you to, um, you know, keep you in a job, keep you in a relationship, keep you in a position that is making you miserable and spiritually really connecting you to community, the people around you who can counsel you, who can give you support, who can give you expertise Mm. and encourage you to step into your purpose. And because you're rooted in your purpose and you know what you're here to do, you have a mission that's so clear, of course, you're going to take care of yourself. Of course. Of course boundaries for yourself because you're going to be like if i don't show up if i don't have sleep i'm not going to have the energy to be the best person i need to be to serve who i need to serve and to serve my community the world my family so that's really where it, it all comes down to and again this is very heavy stuff you know it's really changing your entire life if you really want to experience self-love you need to think about really, what do I not love about myself and why? Mm. Who told me stories? What happened to me when I was younger that made me believe that I need to sacrifice myself, that I need to be in a certain job, make a certain amount of money to be worth it, you know? Mm. So it's, it's deep, deep work. And, you know, that's why I am, you know, trying to build a community and network of people who will, you know, keep you accountable of, you know, natural paths, those herbalists, like, you know, that friend that you have, you know, the blessing to have the connection with who poured into you, you need support systems. And, you know, that's what self-love is. That's what self-care is, is, you know, being able to develop that in yourself because your own greatness and potential is being reflected by the people you have around you. You said so much. You said so much. I appreciate that. Um, and you, and you, you taught me a new word. Contravention. Oof. That's the need to me unwind that. Because I, I think it was, that's exactly what it was. Because uh, she, before she gave me that, um, the, the you know the the the, the new blend or recipe of, of of herbs to sleep better for months we were just talking you know for months we were literally just talking just so she could figure out what it could be like maybe you should try all these things before we even get to any type of herbal anything and I appreciated that because it was it was almost like for a, a good seven months I felt like I had two therapists my own therapist and talking to her and like she has had me do these particular actionable things that really did at least make me um feel a little bit better. I ain't gonna hold you. It did make me feel a little bit better. Like I was questioning about my placement and my comfortability about where I was in an overall sense, not even just based off of the job that I was doing, but also the place that I live in. Like, should I even be here in Chicago? Should I what 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 is my reasoning for this? What is my reasoning for that? I started to really start to un ravel so many different things and i think uh what was genuinely happening she even had me uh do an exercise where i like wrote something to my like former self and like it was just so many different things um because i I, and i used what i learned about myself through therapy and brought those into you know those conversations we had and kind of just really hash certain things out and i think she i was so surprised that she like wanted to do this so frequently but i think she was genuinely um using me as if anything, a case study in her own, in her own passion, you know, because she was somebody who really felt moved and aligned to be this type of healer. And, um, and shout out to her, shout out to Mariah for real. Um, cause, um, she, she, and she eventually uh, went up, went to school, uh, out there in, was it Seattle to, uh, to study, you know, apothic, was it apothic medicine and all those type of things. But, um, 
it truly helped me in so many different ways. And I, and I've now can vocalize to so many different people. And if anything, I'm now the shining example of, cause once I left in April 20, uh, April 28th of 2021, um, now people look to me to be the person of like, damn, you did that. Like, oh my God, da, da, da. and just based off my content now, based off how I show up on online, based off how carefree that I seem, I think a lot of people already see the difference in a lot of ways. Um, just because I don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot less uh, serious about certain things. I think I can be more myself. I can be more playful. I can create something every day, which is a commitment that I believe is a part of my own self-care and self-love uh, practices. Uh, because if if you ask me, what do you want to do every day or what's something that you can do every day? I want to make something that wasn't a vet and that wasn't there the day before, you know, and, um, I, I eat what we're doing right now. All the words I'm speaking, I did not say yet until today to you in this format, in this dynamic. And that already makes my day, um, a complete day. And, um, and also just maximizing those habitual routine tasks. I think truly can um, change a person's mindset about self-care too. I remember uh, I did a video about routine for my Patreon and um, shout out to uh, everybody who subscribes to the Patreon. Make sure y'all go and um, subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> but, um, and it was all about routine because I think when I talk to so many of my friends about it, you tell me what you, what the reaction has been when you've like consulted with people about their own self-care practices is that a lot of people reject when I say routine because they immediately think of it to be this very robotic request for them to do. And um, it, it sounds like something that only works for people who are already worth a million dollars and work and wake up in mansions every day. Cause those are the people who write books about the secret and about manifestation and so on and so forth. But they're writing these books as they already have made these millions. So a lot of people see it as, you know, as a kind of just, you know, snake oil to certain degrees. And I've had to like reframe the overall outlook of it and the presentation of routine is by just genuinely saying like, what is it that you do for yourself in the start of your day? And a lot of people say a lot of things and they come to realize like the first five things they do in the morning are to the benefit of someone else. And, mm -hmm. um, but you tell me like, what have you noticed from just kind of, you know, presenting routine as a possible, uh, um, addition to someone's self-care uh self-care practices as a whole on a daily basis because i think that is a really clear way to kind of start that process i guess yeah well the first thing i want to comment on is again how you know a lot of these people who write books they mention routine and mm -hmm. oh it seems like they only have the ability to do that because they're wealthy how do you think they became wealthy mm-hmm that's what I'll be saying. <laughs> That's what I'll be saying. Like, it had to start. <laughs> Books, too. I've read, you know, Grant Cardone, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, Mom's mm -hmm. Success, or Rich, and they all say the same thing. It's habits. It's dedication. It's mindset. Mm -hmm. Those aren't words. So when I present that to people or I say that to people, I think... They're kind of like, oh, that makes sense. But, you know, again, the implementation part is hard. And I even still struggle with that. Um, and it's a learning process. But again, that's why, you know, beneath all of that, you really need to think about what's your mindset? You know, what, what, what in your mind is holding you back from implementing routine? Again, like you mentioned, a lot of people who you talk with, you know, they have a gap in terms of like, well, I'm poor. I don't have that money right now. They're defining themselves and already limiting themselves by mm -hmm. their financial status yeah. and, and completely, you know, putting that habit and that way of being out of their own, you know, their own possibility. Um, so again, it's, it's a self-limiting thing. In, reg in regards to how we um, interact with habits, but everyone has habits. Mm -hmm. They can either be good habits or they can be bad habits. Is your habit to sacrifice yourself? Is your habit to be on social media first thing in the morning, first thing at night? You know, no one forced that upon you. No one taught you that. You picked up that habit um, because it's, it's, you know, satisfying you in some way that's, you know, negative or 
it's allowing you to, you know, lend your energy to something else because you don't feel worthy to lend that energy to yourself for some reason. Again, mm. that's why you have to think, what what thoughts do I have? What limiting thoughts do I have that are holding me back? Mm, that's so true. Oh, that's so true. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm perplexed to, I'm perplexed to, to see kind of how the world kind of comes into this mindset in a real way. Cause I think that just like with, you know, so many different movements that start off trendy, I think the things that stay and the things that remain, um, people still kind of continue to see the success in them. And, um, I think I, I too am a person who has had to really get out of my way of understanding how I'm blocking my own progress because I am saying like, this is what's happening and this is why this can't happen. This is what's happening and this is why this can't happen. Instead of realizing that I'm I'm not even trying it. Like I'm still just trying, before I even start to do the thing and get into the point of frustration of having to do it on a daily basis, I'm already cutting it away. Like, well, you know, will it really work? And I'm just intellectualizing every single aspect of my own um, spiritual and emotional and just um, just mental, uh, the mental aspects of just living and just being. I'm like, well, will that work? Or I don't know. Or I never met anybody or da, da, da. And I still need money. And I can't, how can I do that if I'm stressed? How can I do that if I'm depressed? How can I, what if I don't have the energy? Or I can't do that and can't do this. And it makes sense how so many things are connected. It truly does. It um and I, I don't know, I, I guess I really feel that um, more than anything, I think that we all have to, whatever makes it make sense to you, I think we all have to get to a point in time where we realize that everything that we do on a consistent basis is just the building blocks of who we are. And um, I don't believe in just the sole aspect of just practice makes perfect from a standpoint of, you know, leading to perfection. But I think it gets you the results and gets you closer to your goals when you are uh, practicing some sense of self-discipline and it only benefits you, you know? Um, and I think that that's something that a lot of people, and I think due to just Western mindset and so many different things, they be, I think we are indoctrinated to believe that all of our energy on a daily basis should be exerted to serve someone else in every single capacity. And, um, and I tell people all the time that, you know, since doing that for myself and considering what I do for myself in the morning, um, fills me up so I can, so then I can take on whatever else. And, um, so I can be okay with whatever happens with the day. Um, I don't, it's not a, a feeling of like, well, damn, I started my day thinking about a million other things, had to wake up early for, for this job, had to do all these things, got to eat because I won't eat because of this job, because I'm so busy and got to be in traffic, so on and so on and so forth. So if your day goes terrible, what do you have to kind of like balance that out to balance out the flow and the amount of um, overall labor in various ways, either physical, emotional or spiritual in some way, shape or form? Because I can only imagine, you know, especially for everyone who's worked in a corporate space, what you have to deal with in these various spaces. So convincing myself every day to get up and go um, go in. I didn't realize how much I really didn't like myself from because of that, because it's like. And I think it was that rejection from my body, just like you said, you know, it was truly like, because it was always came to a point to where I would always need a day, you know, before we had the, the, the now great, great phrase of, you know, taking a mental health day. That was essentially what I was doing at least every few months. Like, hey, I'm not coming in, calling in sick because I'm just like, can't get, I just can't get up. I can't get out. And crazy enough, that day it's usually filled with me doing a bunch of shit for myself. I'm cleaning my crib. I'm cleaning my space. I'm decluttering. I'm throwing things out. I'm thrifting. I'm going out. I'm, I'm going grocery shopping. I'm doing all these very, almost everything I do is grounding. Almost every single thing I do is like a grounding thing. And um, in some way, shape or form, just wanting to be out in public, wanting to treat myself to a snack, wanting to do something for me. And after... Uh, leaving and continuously starting my day with me in mind. And especially if you live alone, it's a lot of, you get so much space to do that. It helped me rec recognize where I was falling short in being more nurturing to myself in a particular aspect. And I really, really, truly enjoyed that. So 
what I would like to, I guess, um, pivot to now is to speak to um, some actionable, uh, I guess, tangible things that I believe that because um, I'm a big I'm a big action oriented person. And maybe it's my own mentality when it comes to. Um, I guess the way that I believe men specifically black men who how we can improve and heal and and be better to ourselves um, because we feel like we are, quote unquote, seen as such utility in the world. Like we have to be doing something to be valuable. I think the best way to uh, could, to kind of, you know, divert that uh, that labor is to really start to do actionable things that really support us and support our own um, well-being. And so uh, I'm big on just actionable things. The uh, the Seven Spiritual Laws of Success is a book that I think easily helped me understand that, oh, this is why certain things from a, a spiritual and religious context ne- never really kind of kept me and felt uh, grounding and felt like they could really make me feel better about myself because I don't know, it was just a whole lot of just believing and letting it go. And it's like, I want to, I want to, I don't know, I kind of want to meet this halfway. I kind of want to do something, you know, to really feel like whatever it is that I'm trying to get out of life or try to do is actually happening. And if anything, at least there's some placebo. At least I like know for a fact I am doing these grounding things. I'm being in nature. I'm calming myself. I'm writing out what I feel. I'm expressing myself. All these very actionable things, I think, helped me be able to approach every single scenario in that way. Um, I live here in Chicago. And one weird thing that I had to come to notice this past winter is that the whole time I've been here, I really have always complained about the snow. But I've been here for six years. And yet Mm -hmm. I complain about the snow every single year. And it was one particular day where I was just really crabby about it. And everyone that I spoke to were very content. They were just like, no, I like the snow. And I think, you know, it's, it's a good thing. And it's balanced. And it's a reason for it. And all these various things. And I was like, damn, not I'm Mr. Krabs. And like, just now I'm this person <laughs> that's just rigid about something that is just, obviously we know it's going to happen. And um, immediately I was like, how can I be actionable about this? So I literally just put on some, a bunch of, you know, stuff and just like, I'm gonna just go for a walk. And um, I ended up like vlogging the whole experience and just kind of just talking about why I did it. And like, Hopefully, hopefully it made me feel better. And it did. It really genuinely made me feel better about just the cold and about all those things. Um, but I think that you with um, you, you actually, you know, with Omequa, uh, is it Ome- is just is it just Omequa or is it Omequa Organics? Am I, am I making that up? Now it's just Omequa. It's just yes. Omequa. It, 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 it used to be that? It used to be Omequa Organics, but uh-huh. once I realized that it really extends to community mm-hmm. and education and growth. It just became Omequa. Okay. Okay. And what does Omequa mean? Yes. Omequa is Nigerian. It means nature's vessel and God sent from the Femi tribe. And it's also my middle name. Um, so, you know, that's the name of the company because the idea is that God has given us everything we need on mm. this earth to thrive. We just need to learn how to use it. I love that. I, I had a very high ass thought one time where I said <laughs> that maybe we are all like naturally and they, they everybody in the room was high too, so they let me let me say this. I didn't feel like I was in a in a weird space to say this, but I was like, what if we are all like naturally supposed to be like transcendentalist, you know, where we are supposed to be in nature and all these various things and our connection to one and like smoke weed and and get drunk and all these various things that come by way of you know man-made things where we're taking plants and taking this and doing things with it and fermenting it and and smoking it and lighting it and whatever it is what if it's our own way of trying our best to like really truly become one with nature and they were just like i mean you kind of got a point i was like i'm just saying animals be getting high you got catnip You got, you know, peyote and all these different things. Jaguars be taking some random plant and just be sitting back dazed on stars. Something about it, something about this, you know, earthly earthly experience is trying our best to make sure we utilize everything that's around because it's a purpose for it. So I feel, I feel that. I feel that. I feel that. But tell me, 
So in terms of just like the, because I think that herbal medicine nowadays is becoming a, a very large trend as well, you know, and I think that it's dope that you are being a proponent within this space that's truly showing that you're going to be around before when the trend dies, <laughs> when it's really real. Like, no, I'm, I'm still here doing the work because y'all going to need some of this, you know? Uh, um, but but her, I feel like herbal medicine is definitely having a moment. I think TikTok is a real big uh, proponent for that these days where, you know, every, feel like every week it's a new vitamin or herb or supplement that's going viral because it does what it's always done, you know? Like... We're taking uh, ashwagandha to, you know, do this. We're taking yeah. chlorophyll water to da-da-da. It's an internal deodorant if you just a little few drops a day, you know, that type of shit. And um, <laughs> how have you felt when it came to, because uh, I'm not sure how, because how, it could have been well into, you know, you know, practicing and kind of, you know, understanding herbal medicine well before you started your company. How long has this been something that you've been practicing, you've been into, um, and what has been your reaction to it becoming a, a very worldly trend for all ages these days mm -hmm. i mean i was raised off of herbs and herbal mm -hmm. medicine my mother you know from the island that's all she gave me you know when she, i was sick she gave me um you know aloe like raw aloe she gave me um uh, milk of magnesia because you know all the benefits of magnesium for our body um, mm -hmm. Big gut health around here. Get your gut health together, people. <laughs> yeah. Fun um, ladies. If you are, you know, because again, I mentioned my benign breast tumor, my fibroadenoma, that those are more likely to develop, and they're very common in young women who um, take hormonal birth control. And I was prescribed that because I had debilitating cramps. Mm. So instead of the doctor figuring out what was missing in my diet or what nutrients I was missing that was contributing to those cramps, they just throw me, threw me on medication that led to the spiral um, or at least contributed to, you know, having those surgeries to remove those tumors but all i needed the main thing i was missing was magnesium mm. from my body i was missing magnesium big sean also told a story too that he had heart problems when he was young and the doctor was like we don't know what's happening we don't, da, 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 da. someone just told him you just need magnesium and he's good <laughs> but um I was raised off of those things, but I think right now what's missing from the discourse and the popularity with herbal medicine is that everybody's different. Yeah. Everybody's body is different and you need to be, um, you need consult, you need specialists to see what your body needs specifically. Cause magnesium for me may not work for the other woman who is having hormonal problems. So I think, and that's what I'm really trying to foster is create and connect a network of, you know, holistic practitioners who have that passion and gift, um, you know, like your friend that you mentioned, because not everyone is blessed enough to come across those people yeah. who can, you know, give them advice and see what they need. Um, so I think that's just, just the major thing is that not everything's going to work for you and you need guidance and support to to get on track yeah yeah and, and you know it's crazy because um i think what's interesting is i i didn't realize how much of a i don't know how much of a, a, a herbal enthusiast i was until until honestly hashing it out about my sleep when it came to uh speaking with mariah on a consistent basis several you know just last year um i didn't realize like I've always been intrigued by certain things and certain because I I was like, I got to be a reason for this. It got to be a reason why these all like you walk into the vitamin aisle or walk into these health food stores. Like, what is all this shit? Like, what are all these things? <laughs> like, what are, what is it for? And um, how much should I be using? You know, and I think as I got, you know, into my mid 20s. I started to become a lot more um, considerate of what I was putting into my body and also how to make certain things react differently. You know, um, I, I'm a big proponent of like, of, of like activated charcoal. Um, mm -hmm. for, and especially in moments and times where I know that there's like, just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, we young and, you know, people want to party and people want to drink and all these various things. And I'm just like, 
AO. Like this shouldn't be something that has this in the vert. Cause I'm like, I don't do this all the time. I think I'm always been good with moderation, but also when I do it, I don't want to feel terrible. And so I, I tried it out. I was like, let me, let me try this thing that I feel like I read and kind of looked up and it just, I just assumed that this could work uh, based off of what it said it did. I was like, activate charcoal kind of detoxifies this. Maybe if I take this, Prior to drinking, I won't have this kind of adverse effect to it, um, no matter how much I drink. Because it's, I feel like I've had all types of scenarios where I feel like I don't drink that much, in my opinion. But I still am very much feeling those feelings. And when I drink a lot, it's like, damn, I don't even feel hungover at all. What the fuck is going on? And knowing that my body is affected either way. And um, yeah, activated charcoal been my dog because it's been, it's been. I feel, I feel good. I feel normal. I felt all these different ways, and I've. T- told and been a big proponent of it. And then what was dope about it, I felt very affirmed in what I was thinking when I kept seeing these like small boutique products that featured activated charcoal as something that you should use for this and use for that. And it's a great, you know, post hangover type of, you know, supplement or whatever it is. I'm like, okay, cool. I must've, I must've been on to something, but continuously doing that made me open to it. So I think that's what made the conversations with her about, about me, you know, possibly, you know, having a particular tea or doing something particular with herbs into something that was very palatable to me. But I understand a lot of the people where they just don't really, they would just believe it's just grass in a grass in a bag, you know, or or something else, or just a, a random tea that just tastes funny to them, or just something mm-hmm. that smells weird, or a peel that a peel that's too big, whatever it is. And I think it's um, unfortunate because when it comes to all these other things that have a million different, you know, researches and labels and R and D groups, we take that with no question. You know, if it's Tylenol, we take that without even reading, being able to spell adenosine. We, we take, we, we do all, we take ibuprofen without being able to spell that correctly. We take all these things from various places and don't question. We just know that what the overall result should be. And we just trust it. And I'm not saying that you should just, you know, blindly trust any, you know, herbalist or any uh, vitamin or supplement company company either. But I think that um, truly considering what you put into your body is something that is a good thing. (laughs) And like to, I guess, say that, you know, this doesn't work should be shouldn't be this weird. I don't know, this weird reaction, because it's like we can I think we that conversation kind of came up a lot when it came to the vaccine and. Various things like that, where it's like, well, you put this in your body. Why not put that in your body? But I think that we all have to be more mindful um, of what it is that we are contributing to our overall health and wellness. Um, What would you say is, you know, in terms of like what you've seen from, you know, in terms of like self-care, what have you noticed to be one of the biggest differences and um, how 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 men uh kind of you know are starting their self-care journeys versus women starting their self-care journeys if you've noticed any differences i think the biggest difference is that probably men have um indulged and just respected their hobbies more and the things that give them joy and in, in creating or engaging and in, in community too in, in yeah. terms of a form of self-care. Um, and then I think for women, it begins more as of like in, introspection and mm. like, what do I need? What do I envision for the future and how can I get there? Um, but we all have, you know, masculine and feminine energies within us too. And honestly, how I'm going to begin to honor like the masculine part of me that, that, that needs self-care is just honoring like my creative hobbies and my creative work in writing and producing. Right. And having that for me, because I've just been focusing on the more feminine side, which Mm -hmm. is like that introspection, that, that um, self dialogue. I love that. And that was what my next um, kind of observation that I think I've made in my own journey is that I think, Initially, it had a lot to do with actions. And I had a really funny interaction with a friend of mine where she uh, she asked her she's been, she went around asking her friends if you could have a like a, like a 
like somebody to sponsor your life, like a sugar daddy or sugar mama. <laughs> and you can do whatever you want to do. Like they, this is how you, this is how your life goes. Even if you don't have to really interact with them, your life is kept. What would you do every day was the question. And all the women that she asked spoke to literally like rest to just being to, you know, and for lack of a better phrase, just not doing nothing, you know, like just not just wanting to just be. And every man that she asked had an activity. Like they still wanted to do something. <laughs> they still wanted to, they, if you have do with anything that you want, there's still something that you still want to do, you know? And I think that, um, I, I truly believe that there is a, uh, aspect of, um, of transferring those particular desires that I think we'll find, um, a, a true balance in people. Cause I do believe there are some men who, need to uh lean into like this real interesting complex with uh with labor i think yeah. so many men find so much of their identity to be truly defined through labor like how much am i doing what am i doing is it, am i doing it well enough uh well i can't just sit around and not do nothing or let me oh i don't you know i feel like i ain't got nothing to do let me go at least cut some grass let me go at least go see if somebody needs something to do let me go hoop let me go do some type of activity and just being with ourselves is something that um, I don't think we did, we do enough of. And also making space and room for those vulnerable moments, um, for the moments of us to just be. Um, that was kind of what I eventually started to really long for after a while, after the initial first few months of feeling like I was being way more dedicated into my own self-care. And it's something that you never stop doing, obviously, but it's like, it's something that I realized like, oh no, I just kind of want to just, listen to my body today and mm-hmm. and kind of figure out what it is that I, that I need and kind of go, go about it. And I think it's helped me a lot, not be stressed. And, um, and also taught me the value of presence. Cause when things be happening, just the world, I, I got to the point to where I'm like, just things are happening. They're not always happening to me. And I think if you're actively choosing to do things and especially things that bring you joy, but you aren't giving yourself time to be, when things happen that are um, negative, you almost feel bad for choosing yourself. It's like, damn, look at me. I'm over here, you know, just doing this all day. And you got, you know, you got children in Africa starving. You got, you know, baby form that can't get found. Look at me. I need to, I need to do something else. <laughs> when it's like just being and having an understanding and being able to be selectively empathetic in those moments and not allowing the world to direct your feelings. I think it's necessary. I think it's really necessary for everybody. But I think that is interesting. The introspection part is interesting because I think the misconstruction, you could tell me if you notice this. What I when I I've seen so many women like online speak to uh the idea of like a soft life. Have you seen this? Yeah. So that's why it makes sense to me that, you know, if that is a new growing trend, um when given the, you know, giving yourself the task of really focusing in on your own self-care, you go inward first. And that and that involves more inactivity from a tangible context than it is. It's just this outward activity all the time. What do you think about this idea of the soft life? Because I've seen a lot of misconstruction. I've, I've seen a lot of weird uh, reactions to it uh, by way of, of men online because they feel like, what, what, do me, what do women do now? Like women already don't do a lot now. So why is it that they, why is it that they need a life where they don't do anything, you know? And it's it's intriguing to me. And I think it's just a a, a lacking in particular perspective or a rigidness to societal, societal aspect. But you you know, you tell me what you, what you think of this this new growing trend of soft life. Um, I think it's just a manifestation of um, our collective just grief of just working so much and our also our burnout. So that's how it's manifested. Obviously burnout, you know, is experienced by both sexes. For sure. So I that the soft life is just like a projection of what we 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 think we want. And I say think we want because, you know, if women lived a life where you do nothing, you're going to get bored. You're going to feel, you know, like 
there's only so long you can be on vacation. There's only so long you can be in la-la land. You're going to get antsy. You're going to want to to be able to contribute and be able to see the manifestations of your own work and will. Um, so I haven't seen that conversation in the soft life, like presentation, <laughs> but I don't think it's, it's, it's realistic. Yeah. I think, you know, like life is about balance. It's about like allowing yourself to be soft, but again, having the, the dedication and the wherewithal to know why you're alive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think, as I say, for a lot of things to men is that you're upset about this because you believe this isn't an option for you. And um, because that's usually what it is. Like, it's usually this idea of like, no, that's something that women can do and I can never because that would, I guess, um, contradict the definition of, quote unquote, being the man that I am. I can't be a kept person. because I have to work my whole life. I can't have a soft life era. Because I have to work. Everyone expects me to work. Everyone expects me to serve them in some way, shape, or form, or or provide or protect in some way, shape, or form. And I tell, I tell, I, I, I always kind of like make men kind of perplexed in these like group conversations and these private conversations when I ask them like, "But what if you chose not to? What do you? Who do you think you will be? Because if you have a, a, a issue with it, or if you don't like it, if that's not what you want in life." Don't do it. Maybe like, well, I mean, what type of man would I be? And I was like, you still be a, you'll be a man who has a soft life. <laughs> you'll be a man who has all these various things. And it was like, but yeah, but who would want me and all these different things? And I was like, you see how you like are like bringing this outside yourself, like as if you were making choices based off of what other people are going to think about you. But you're the one who wants this. You're the one who is upset with other people having it or aspiring to have it. It's women out here who just desire the soft life and people are upset with them. They really don't have, they got to, they at work right now, you know? So to me, I think, um, self-care is interesting. And I think I've tried my best to be a, you know, very light handed, um, advocate to my friends when it comes to it, because I realized like what you said earlier, self-love and self-care are not easy things to come into contact with once you finally realize like, oh, it's not just about pampering myself, but I also have to deal with the things that made me not so compassionate. Why what made me not so nurturing to myself? What makes me block or tell myself something that I don't deserve or uh, what or that I'm not worthy of? And I think that um, quite often, I, I think that that's the first thing that's needed for a lot of men is to is to tell them that they are worthy of like, my guy, you can't, you, somebody can buy you a gift for no reason, just a just because gift, you know? Um, it doesn't have to be a reason for all these different things that you feel like you can't ask for in return, you know? Um, quite often, I, you know, I've debated with people about just, you know, the idea of like Valentine's Day and things like that. And I'm like, so many men have bought into the idea that this is a day that's only for women. And, mm -hmm. um, and it's like, well, who's perpetuating this? Like you have big business that already leans into that. But in your own personal relationships, you can create the world that you want. You can let it be known like, hey, babe, I want a gift. I want you to show me you love me, too. I'm looking forward to a surprise, you know, because that's the energy that, they, that a lot of women will boldly let it be known. Like, mm, what are we doing? You know, and I think when it comes to your self-care, you have to be um, bold about it. At least that's what I figured out. And I don't know if there's a particular, um, I guess, kind of like hurdle that you had to jump with when it came to your own self-journey, your own self-care journey and, and where you are now with it. Do you feel, I guess, because you, you've made this a part of your purpose, do you feel, I don't know, do you feel compelled to always hold this kind of like shining example of self-care? Like, do you feel the pressure of like having to be always kind of in a particular frequency because you are the self-care specialist? So that means you got to always be good and always be straight because you're obviously taking care of yourself. Is there any pressure with that? Because I can see how it could possibly be, I guess. There most certainly is, but 
I think the way I've started to alleviate that pressure is just being open and honest and authentic with people and saying like, this work isn't easy. Mm. It's something and that you have to do every day. And especially for me, it's even harder because again, I live with a mental illness mm. that, you know, prone to having depressive lows where I can't, I think very negatively. It's very hard for me to talk, to, to do anything, to, to be consistent and show up. But I think in the fact that I'm so open with that and I'm still standing in, in, in my truth and my knowledge that this system works and it is important. And even though I have so many, so many obstacles and literally my brain is working against me every day for this, that I still show up. Cry. Mm. Mm. That's so deep. Yeah. That's so deep. Um, the last, last thing before I wrap, we can wrap up, uh, and I wrote this down. I'm not sure if I wrote if I sent this over to you in this way, but I really started to start to consider my daily routine to be the the practice of becoming myself in a way, um, and like becoming um, myself in a whole way, if that makes sense. In consideration to all the things that I do, and I kind of always tell people who want to build a great routine, and um, what I said uh, yet again, let's subscribe to the Patreon. Um, but what I, what I stated was just, you know, finding what that value is that you need to really push and, and prepare more habits around and then actually enact them and, you know, introduce them into your daily uh, routine is, um, only truly, you know, to serve you, but also to get you to a new level of wholeness. And I think that what I learned more than anything, when it comes to a daily routine is that I kind of have to allow it to change with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember getting to a point of feeling like, oh, yeah, I figured out this little self-love thing. I'm straight. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing it. And then things happen. And I'm like, hold on. What I was doing isn't enough anymore. What's going on? Like, why can't this? Like, I'm doing, I'm, I've, I got my tools. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm doing the things. Why this isn't working? But what would you say is... Um, what would you say is a is a is something that you've learned from being on this journey and realizing that it's also an ever changing journey? I guess like, is there any particular antidotes that you have that were eye opening to you about? Oh, I've been doing this for a while, but now I need to either do something different or let something go, or whatever it is. Any any particular things that you've noticed when it comes to being this far down the road in, in terms of your self love journey and your self care journey? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I'm sorry if you can hear that ice cream chuck in the background. Um, I did. But, oh, okay. Well, never mind. Um, <laughs> I, <did. laughs> I think the, and I just came to this realization because, you know, I have, I will say, been consistent in and have had structure in my self care yeah. um, since like the top of this year slash late last year. Yeah. And I, on hitting on to stalls or walls where I had to, you know, again, my depressive episodes would kick in and I'd have to restart and rejump myself. And then I'd have that routine. So firstly, it was being kind with myself mm. when life, life inevitably knocked me off the self-care wagon and just knowing what I needed to do to get back on. But it was also using those opportunities to say, okay, what else is missing in my life or what wall have I hit that I need to address and add into my routine so I can become stronger and become better? And again, for me, it was realizing that I was suppressing my true like desire and purpose and passion for creating and writing and being an artist, something that I, you know, have been suppressing for like over a decade in light of only being in service to other people, basically. Mm. Um, And, you know, that I realized that I, I started Omekawa from a place of that like pain and lack, um, you know, I, I 100% believe in the business um, and what I'm doing. I feel like, you know, a lot of the times when we're on um, 
when we're on certain paths, we will hit those walls if something is missing. Mm -hmm. So I finally, you know, accepted and, and will not let myself down again in terms of suppressing that desire. And I've now incorporated, you know, writing and figuring out what being a creative looks into like to me into my overall routine. And I know this is something now uh, because I'm addressing it and I've brought it to my conscious awareness that I will be stable mm. and I won't go into the episodes because yeah. that's really all, you know, I realize my bipolar too. It's a tool. If I fall into an episode, it's because something's wrong. Mm. Something. It doesn't happen for no reason. You know, I'm just more susceptible to when I reject myself. Mm. Humans reject ourselves. Some some of us can withstand the rejection. Some of us can withstand being in a corporate environment for decades and be okay. We're not truly great, but we're okay. Having a mental illness, I'm I'm not resilient and I cannot withstand rejecting myself. Mm. Really what it is. And that's and that's a very interesting fact to accept about your overall being, you know, that I think is, I don't know, I think people make, um, I think that's why, you know, things like shadow work and things like really changing your interpretation of negativity is um, truly just a polarity that you have to understand that you may go into at times. And it's, but it's not something that should make you so uh, not have grace for yourself as if you're this flawed individual that can do it at any point in time. That's kind of what I've come to understand. It's like, it's okay that I feel bad. It's okay to have bad days. It's okay to feel those ways because it's it is what it is. But I think it's it's people who want to try to create a life where they are uh, overriding and trying their best to decrease to the maximum capacity of that even ever occurring. You know, like and that that's just not healthy. <laughs> it's just it's just not healthy. Um, and that's why I highly suggest for people to you know to tap into all things when it comes to shadow work and understanding the parts of yourself that you find to be unfavorable um, because it makes you accept you in a way better way and makes you be able to manage all aspects of yourself um, in particular ways, because just like you said, it is a tool. And I think that um, everyone has to get to that particular point to where you're stopped saying, well, I got, well, I, I'm, you know, I talk too much and I'll be talking over people and I got to get over that. I got to stop that. And it's like, okay, maybe you should manage that. Maybe this is something that's a part of you. This is something that you need to manage. You don't need to kind of try to rid this aspect of you that's so part of who you are, but ask yourself what it is that makes you do these things, um, that makes you not present or makes you not pay attention or whatever it is. But, oh, so the last portion, and we can wrap it on up, is my send it on portion of the episode. And send it on is a call to action at, uh, segment within my podcast. I'm not sure if you can hear this background music behind our voices right now. Can you hear it? A little bit, yeah. Oh, let me turn it up. How about now? Okay. Okay, okay, a little bit. All right, but it's it's gonna it's gonna come through in the edit. Nevertheless, uh <laughs> how would you say, uh, in short, how do you believe someone could start their own self-care journey? What would you say? What would you say is the is a great, fun, easy step? <laughs> Well, I actually created that set for y'all. I created the self-care assessment, free quick assessment that you can find on the Amequa website. And it truly just helps you do a personal inventory and figure out what your core self-care pillar is. Mm. If it's body, you know, really getting in tune with your body. Is it your mind really getting in tune with what are the stories that you're telling yourself that may be inhibiting you? Or is it your spirit pillar really feeling connected to community again, connected to your purpose, and then just giving you five actionable steps that you can take today to start supporting and, and tending to that pillar. Mmm, I love this. I love this. That was great. That was like a commercial. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. And make sure that I'm definitely putting quick links under the description of this episode so you can get straight to not only Amequa.com, but also uh, the self-care assessment as well. So you can get right on to that. Good on. Send it on. So, you know, call to action. Is real, make it real easy for you. But no, um, please let everyone know how they can follow you, support you in all various ways and capacities. Please let them know. 
Yes, you can find me on Instagram, Angelica Always, who ends. Um, again, I'm shifting how I'm presenting myself um, in a more authentic manner, um, in a more creative manner. So like you'll see my page change slowly. Um, but in terms of content that I've created that I'm really proud of, my podcast, The Tea Corner, so hey. you can go I have two seasons. Um, season two is ending today, actually, and season three is going to be, hey, I'm stepping into and coming back to me and sharing, you know, what I've always shared through the tea corner, which is just questions about life and how we we go through life and helping you um, do that self-reflection, but just doing that through the power of story and how engaging stories are and 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 again, how powerful stories are. So the Tea Corner podcast and check out Omekwa products at www.omekwa.com. Hey, hey, hey. Well, if you don't know, you should know. You can follow uh, me at everywhere at Kings underscore memoirs. Follow the podcast on IG and Facebook at Simply King Pod and the Simply King Podcast page on Facebook. Uh, as well as following my business page at Life is King on Instagram. Go check out some of the services. Go check out some of the things you can get done. Um, I've already announced it and I am moving and relocating to Atlanta, Georgia. So would love to connect with various creatives within that, within that city. I'm coming back to my the, the, the location of my alma mater and um, connecting with a lot of beautiful people that I've met and been friends with for so long. So it's going to be hell of a homecoming, truly. And I mean that in all, <laughs> all ways. Uh, but, um, but I appreciate everyone who's listening. As always, this is the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans, simply being humans. I've been Rodney Perry, also known as King. This has been Angelica Marie Essessimwa. Look, you got to get it right. And this has been Simply King. Peace. Running around through the years, my body saw a lot of wear and tear. Being solid put a lot of stress on the joints. Why I get my therapist to massage my pressure points. From sliding on the hoods of cars, jumping over fences. Now it's like every week I go to see my dentist. Allergist, nutritionist, they call the old interest. Just going for a walk in the sun is momentous.